at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 18 months, no payments and no interest, or $300 off each window, $700 off a Pella entry system, and $1,000 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. All right, let's get right to it. Earlier this morning, you probably had a chance to hear Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky address Congress talked about the things that he needed for his country to continue to fight off the Russian invasion. And you just heard President Biden, who announced that he was going to be committing all in all done about a billion dollars. They've already committed 200 million and now another 800 million dollars in military assistance to Ukraine. Now, that military assistance takes various forms. He says what they're going to be doing is they're going to be sending anti-armor and anti-air weapons to Ukraine. They're going to be providing intelligence information and jamming things and stuff like that, that technology. But the president stopped short of making a commitment to order a no-fly zone, which would essentially put NATO planes in the air trying to force Russian planes out of the air. So that would be a direct confrontation. He's not going to do the no-fly zone. He's not going to put boots on the ground. But he will provide Ukraine with, again, about a billion dollars in war materials that the Ukrainians can use to fight off the Russians. Now, the other interesting news that's coming out today, and I said this before we, we started the program, was... It's surprising a lot of people, but Ukraine, despite the huge humanitarian toll that this war is taking, and I I don't mean to minimize that at all, over 2 million refugees, you look at the pictures of the bombed-out buildings and things, it is absolutely terrible. But for Vladimir Putin, and I've argued this for the last couple weeks, I think he's made a very, very bad miscalculation. He thought perhaps that the Russian army would be viewed as liberators instead of conquerors. They haven't been. He thought that this would be a walkover and that you would, I think they thought there was going to be a blitzkrieg. And within two or three days, they would have essentially had control of Ukraine. Not only do they not have control of Ukraine, but the reports today are that the Ukrainians are even mounting, mounting counter, um, they're, they're, they're announcing counterattacks and actually pushing Russian forces back in certain areas. Now, that's not to say that Russia does not have overwhelming military superiority right now. But as we discussed yesterday, there's a lot of people, really smart people, who say because of the supply lines, because of the attrition, because of all this stuff, because of the fact that Russia is having trouble raising the money to feed their army and to fund the army, they think you know Russia's, Russia's got maybe 10 days or so. And if they're not able to achieve a military victory, then they're really going to have to start looking for some sort of diplomatic off-ramp. Now, they also, I mean, the fear is that as a military solution becomes less and less likely, will that provoke Vladimir Putin to do even crazier stuff, like start bombing Poland and things like that, which, again, if that happens, it, it, it ratchets up this conflict to a complete and total different level. But right now, despite the huge humanitarian toll that Putin's evil empire's war on Ukraine is taking, 
he's not accomplishing his objectives. Now, undoubtedly, there are going to be some people who believe that we need to go farther, that we need to have boots on the ground, who believe that we need to have that no-fly zone and take the risk of NATO planes engaging Russian planes and things getting shot down and things of the like. Right now, President Biden is not at that point. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You've heard what Biden is willing to do so far. Should he go farther? And my answer is, I think this is the right moment and this is the right strategy at this point in time. Now, I reserve the right to change that opinion if something happens. But like I say, right now, I believe Putin is losing this particular battle. And given enough time, and it might not be that long, I think he is going to be forced to try to find some sort of diplomatic resolution to this in order to save face. Now, I can see the other alternative is maybe he does, in in fact, escalate, and then that's a whole different discussion. But I don't think he can win an escalation either. What has happened here is, you know, you've got the new old Soviet Union. Vladimir Putin has essentially turned his nation into a, a international pariah and all these different areas of progress that have been made over the last 30 years with the West, that's gone. And the military strength that Russia purportedly had, that, that's not able to accomplish its objectives right now. I think we stay the course. 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> 855-616-1620. Here's a text. Jeff, I read an interesting article this morning that said showed polling data listing Republicans being in favor of enforcing a no-fly zone at a rate of 3 to 1 when it was explained to them that this would mean shooting down Russian aircraft and possibly starting World War III. That support flip-flopped and went to 1 in 3 against. I, I really think this shows that sometimes people don't take into account to think through the consequences of what they really think should be done. Yeah, on, on th- that, that's it. You cannot... You cannot look at what is going on in Ukraine. You cannot see the the bombings of the hospitals and the, the war crimes that are being committed by the evil empire and by Vladimir Putin and, and not be absolutely outraged. But I guess the question becomes, what is the right step? And there's no question. You impose a, a, fly, a no-fly zone, and you're going to be in a shooting war with Russia. And I guess the question for me is, is that... Is that the right step right now? Is Ukraine the right spot for that particular shooting war? Or do you let this play out? Because Russia is being strangled right now economically through the sanctions. But it's not just that. It's also militarily. If you look at what is happening to the Russian army, they're, they're in a standstill. And now you have counteroffensives that are being lost. And you have the West that is pouring weapons into Ukraine. And I, I think, like I say, a lot of really smart people think that in the very, very near future, Ukraine will have as many weapons to defend itself, maybe as Russia has to attack. So my question is, why do you risk World War III when you're you're winning at this point in time, understanding the humanitarian cost that's going on? It is terrible what is happening, but at the same time, don't we want to make sure it doesn't escalate? And it, it might very well do that. Like I say, 
Putin in desperation once he comes to the conclusion that he's not able to obtain what he wants militarily and doesn't think that he can bully people into a surrender and he's not going to be able to bully people into surrender, maybe he becomes more desperate. I understand that might then necessitate a different strategy, but that's not where we are right now. Let's start with Paul in Illinois. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Uh, Interesting conversation today. I listened to the president, and he talked about putting cutting-edge technology like drones and giving it to the Ukrainians. But my fear is, if Russia does take over, uh, will they have access now to our drones, kind of like what the Taliban had with all our leftover military uh, equipment in Afghanistan? Also, he, the president of Ukraine asked for boots on the ground. My question is, if the U.N. has peacekeepers, why isn't the U.N. sending in the peacekeepers to the various cities? Would Putin then start bombing indiscriminately all these places, knowing that a peacekeeper from the U.N. could get hurt? And if they do get hurt, then maybe they lose their favorite status in the U.N. Maybe they're getting kicked off of the uh, of the Security Council. There could be repercussions. But why isn't the U.N. sending people in as observers of nothing else to look firsthand at the war crimes? I think maybe well, that would put some, uh, some well, thought into right. Putin. Well, well, Paul, that, 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 that is a very good question. Um, if you're a regular listener to this program, and thanks for the call, regular listeners to this program know that I, I think the U.N. in large part has become a, a paper tiger because you, you have all the various diverse interests. I don't think as a practical matter there is the will in the U.N. to get militarily involved. And you say peacekeepers, well, it's they're, they're not – Right now, there is an active conflict, so there is no peace to keep. I mean, let's be honest. If you start putting U.N. troops or personnel in some of these places, they are then going to get killed. And the the U.N., I don't think, is there yet, which, I mean, raises questions for another day, in my opinion, that, you know, again, what is the role of the United Nations if it isn't to stop this sort of aggression? You know, we, we get resolutions condemning Russia. But, you know, what what does that mean if you're not willing to back it up? So I I have no belief or faith that the U.N. is going to choose to get involved in a situation like this. Your other point is a very, very good point because we've seen this before. What you're saying is, okay, so let's say we arm the Ukrainians. And then what happens is they completely and totally collapse, like the, the military in Afghanistan collapsed, what, a year and a half ago when we announced that we were going to pull out, and they left all these weapons behind. Same thing happened in Vietnam. It, back in the back in the early 70s, the U.S. provided South Vietnamese troops with all these U.S.-made weapons, and then the South Vietnamese army completely collapsed, and people dropped their guns and ran. I, I guess that that's always a risk that you have. Having said that. I think in this particular situation, it's a risk that is worth taking. If nothing else, I think Ukraine has demonstrated pretty clearly that they're that they're not going to cut and run. If you, the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian government, if they were going to surrender, my argument would have been that that they would have surrendered a long time ago. In, instead, they are dug in for the long haul, and it actually looks to me like they might be winning the fight. So I don't mean to discount the concern you raise. You know, you give them the weapons, then they collapse, and then the Russians end up having the weapons. In this particular situation, though, I think that that's much less likely to occur than, you know, other factors. Um, Jeff, if crippling economic sanctions don't start World War III and supplying advanced weapons to Ukraine doesn't start World War III, why would sending a few fighter jets into Ukrainian airspace start World War III? Well, I guess the 
question is, you know, how do you get them there? What happens if, you know, they get shot at while they're flying? And the, the bottom line is, I, I think a lot of the military experts are saying the, those those fighter jets aren't necessarily going to be the determining factor one way or another. And, and what you have going on here, unless you're going to enforce the no-fly zone. Now, that might be a different thing, but... Just providing a handful of fighter jets, I think a lot of the military experts are saying it, that that's not going to necessarily make the difference. It's much more effective providing the missiles that you can shoot the helicopters and the planes out of the air with, or the, the javelin missiles that are the ones that they use to take out the tanks. Jeff, it's easy to sit and wait, but in the meantime, innocent people are dying. I wonder how long you would wait if your relatives or family were involved in this. What is NATO and the UN for? Well, okay. Ukraine is not a NATO member. If this isn't a reason to go to war, what would it take? Well, clearly, if Russia attacks a NATO member, they they will do that. But, I mean, I I asked this question before, and I haven't had a good answer to it for everybody that wants to risk starting World War III. There have been, over the last several decades, there are countless acts of, of genocide that are going on all over the world. I mean, you can pick multiple instances in, in Africa. And we, we don't, I, I don't hear this lengthy conversation about, hey, you know, we, we should send U.S. troops to Africa to, you know, pick one side or the other and stop the genocide that's going on. It is appalling what is happening there. There's no question about it. But the, the question becomes, all right, you put boots on the ground after saying that we weren't going to put boots on the ground. You decide to escalate this. You force Vladimir Putin to perhaps escalate the matter. And even if ultimately you win, all right, you want to talk about a humanitarian crisis. Well, before you resolve that war, that new war that you started, you're going to be looking at an epic humanitarian crisis. So sometimes there's no good alternatives that are there, but engaging Russia right now in a shooting war with American troops or with NATO troops, I just don't think I don't think that that's the right strategy, especially, like I say, since we're winning. As far as the U.N., I, I, I long ago gave up trying to explain what the U.N. does and why. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. By the way, if you think Vladimir Putin is the only crazy person in Russian government, here's a story. Over the weekend, uh, a Russian lawmaker, a member of the state Duma, so congressman, I guess maybe that would be the equivalent, Oleg Machachev, he goes on Russian state television and he says, here's what our demands are or should be to end what happens in, in Kiev. He says, first of all, after Kiev's demilitarization is completed. In other words, after we've crushed the army and taken over, then here's what has to happen. First of all, the U.S., the United States, first of all, they should return Alaska. I'm not making this up which the U.S. purchased from the Russian Empire in 1867 as part of the Alaska Purchase. So he's demanding that that we give back Alaska. He's demanding that the former Russian settlement of Fort Ross, California, which is kind of Napa Valley, 90 miles north of San Francisco, he's demanding that that, in fact, be returned. He's calling for the return of all Russian properties, including Antarctica, which Russia supposedly discovered. And he's also asking that the United States pay Russia 
for the cost of its attack on Ukraine, because after all, wars cost money. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I, you, so you understand that there's there's crazy people all over, and it's not just Vladimir Putin. Although my belief is that if Putin's gone, things do settle down a bit. But but who knows? Okay, let us completely and totally switch gear. January sixth, twenty twenty one. We all know the story. You can call it a riot. You can call it an insurrection. You can call it whatever you want. But hundreds of people who attended an event that drew thousands of people got completely and totally out of control and violated the law. And I've never understood this effort to either downplay it or, or overplay it. Was it a large conspiracy to overthrow the government? I, I don't think so. Never believe that. You, you might have a handful of crazy white supremacists or something that, that kind of in their you know addled mind thought maybe this was something that was going to happen. But I don't think that was it. I think what happened in general was you had a mob that ended up getting fired up and in moments of lunacy crossed the line and became rioters, insurrectionists, whatever, and committed various crimes. I mean, breaking into the Capitol was, in fact, a a crime. The people that terrorized the, the guards and attacked the guards, they committed crimes. They were criminals, and they deserved to be prosecuted. There were other people, though, who weren't as active, but nevertheless violated the law, including guy named Kevin Daniel Loftus. Here, here's the guy. He's from Eau Claire, 53-year-old machinist. And what happened was he drove from Eau Claire to Washington to attend this Stop the Steal rally. All right, what, what happens is then you've got part of the crowd mob, whatever term you want to use, that heads down to the Capitol. And we all know the story. These people storm the Capitol and overwhelm the guards, and you've all seen the things about that. Anyhow, here, here's what this Kevin Daniel Loftus does. He's with the group. He's wandering around. He's got a U.S. flag on a six-foot pole. After the Capitol gates are breached, he wanders in. So he goes inside the Capitol. He wasn't one of the guys that was attacking the cops or engaging the cops, but he, he, he wanders in. He's in there for about five minutes. He takes a picture of himself, you know, in in the Capitol, and then I think ultimately ends up um, posting it out there. So, you know, he he wasn't a rioter per se. He wasn't one of the ones destroying stuff. He wanders in with a bunch of the rest of the mob, and after about five minutes, he, he leaves. All right, you know, they identify him, and they identify him pretty quickly. Now, at first... He's talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. This is, this is what I did. I was part of this. He ends up acknowledging what he did. He um, then ends up pleading guilty to a, a misdemeanor. All right, that, that's it. Pleads guilty to a misdemeanor. He goes in for sentencing yesterday. The prosecutors ask that he be put in jail for 30 days for going into the Capitol in this fashion. The judge looking at this as, no, I tell you, what, what he did was wrong, but, but here's the deal. I mean, he, he was just with part of this. He wasn't destroying stuff. He wasn't attacking people. He just he trespassed. And so what the judge says he's going to do is, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on probation for three years. 
which, by the way, takes him past the 2024 election. He says this is the deal, probation, three years of probation, and you have to pay like $500 restitution and do some community service. So no jail time. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, what do you think about this? Should the guy have been sent to jail for illegally entering the Capitol with the rest of these people? Although he clearly wasn't the instigators, he was, I think it's probably fair to say, he would be what we would describe as that chaos tourist. There was chaos, he went in, loitered around for a little bit, and then came out. Should he have been sent to prison? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. See, one of the things that's frustrating to me about conversations like this is there's some people who are just so obsessed with with politics and their particular political worldview that they, they don't understand or can't accept any sort of, of nuance or, or differentiation. For example, so that I'm getting some people who are texting, well, so, so you're saying this is no big deal and, and Pence and Pelosi weren't a threat. No, but, but different people did different things. For example, if this guy from Eau Claire had been one of the people, one of the leaders who stormed into the Capitol and was assaulting one of the Capitol police officers and who broke down the door and was storming into Nancy Pelosi's office, that's different conduct than what he did. He's part of this group. He wanders down there. He's with the crowd. He wanders into the Capitol. There's no evidence that he forced his way in or anything. He wanders into the Capitol. He's not armed. He's carrying an American flag. He doesn't brandish the flag. He doesn't attack anybody. He wanders around the Capitol for about five minutes, takes a couple pictures of himself, and then leaves. And then once he's identified four or five days later, he turns himself into the FBI. That's different than the people who, uh, again, forcibly broke in windows or pushed in doors or chased Capitol Police officers. And if people don't understand that, that I, I don't know what to say. You have to treat all these different cir- circumstances differently. And if the prosecutors are able to uh, identify some people who were part of a conspiracy to actually overthrow the government, okay, okay, good, charge those people and then go after them and prosecute them for sedition. And maybe in those sort of cases, maybe a prison sentence of 10 years or 15 years is in order. But this is a guy who wanders into the Capitol, and again, he, he was wrong. He's charged with a misdemeanor of essentially like trespassing. So he's he's not charged with insurrection. They don't allege that he was trying to violently overthrow the government. That's what the charges are. You can't treat everybody the same. And that's why I guess I, I think I think this sentence is about right for what he did. Show me somebody else who did something differently, and do I think everybody deserves probation? No, but but you have to look at what an individual did. Alicia in Milwaukee. Alicia, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I do not believe he should have got jail time. Um, I do believe he should have gotten something. Um, I don't know if I believe he was the, as innocent as just strolling into the Capitol. I mean, there is the thing of such thing as party to a crime, and you don't you don't have to commit the crime to be a party to it. So I believe he should have got something, but I don't believe he should have got jail time. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, the, he pled guilty. I mean, he did get something. I mean, thanks for calling. He pled guilty in October to a misdemeanor charge of parading, picketing, or demonstrating inside the Capitol. If the prosecutors believed that he had committed a more serious crime, assault on on a federal officer, for example, then, then you charge him with that. But I think it's very clear from the charging decision that was made that for this particular guy, you had the, what I, the, the what's that phrase, the chaos tourist, who, you know, he, he's part of the group, he shouldn't have gone in, he shouldn't have been part of this mob, but he did. And so there needs to be some sort of consequence. Do you put him in prison or jail? I I don't know what that ends up accomplishing here. The guy subsequently has said, I'm just going to stay out of politics. I just think he got caught up in something. Change the facts a little bit. Find somebody who did something more. And I'm going to have no problem saying, okay, maybe these people need to go to jail. What happened on January 6th was wrong. But different people did different things. And I guess I feel strongly that the the level of accountability has to be tied to, you know, what everybody did. Jeff, why didn't everyone that stormed the Wisconsin Capitol during Act 10 get charged? Well, as a matter of fact, almost nobody that stormed the Wisconsin Capitol during Act 10, you know, ended up getting charged. Jeff, the same people that think this guy should be in jail for the rest of his life think all those people in Minneapolis were peaceful protesters and shouldn't be charged with rioting. or people in Kenosha, you could use that example. And that's a very good thing. You know, let, that's a good example. Let, let's think about what happened in, in Kenosha, all right? There, everybody that showed up at those protests doesn't deserve to be charged and, and prosecuted. People who threw firebombs and burned buildings, you, you charge them with something. People who assaulted police officers, you charge them with something. People who broke the curfew rule, well, you, you treat them differently than the people that are throwing the firebombs. It's just what you end up having to do. And so I look at this, and I guess if they had given the guy 10 days in jail, would I have thought it would have been an outrage? Not necessarily. But I, I, this idea that, oh, we, we've got a like warehouse everybody that was there because they're nothing but Donald Trump supporters and they're mega people and we think that they're a danger to the free world. Well, this is a guy from Eau Claire who got caught up in politics, wandered into the Capitol when he shouldn't have. Yeah, he's got to be held accountable, but I'm not going to get too worked up over a sentence of probation. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. So much has changed since 1927. From social media to cell phones to whatever we wear and what we drive. But one thing has stayed the same. This is the place for news. The 737 has crashed into the World Trade Center. Talk. Good morning, this is Gordon Hinckley, WTNJ in Milwaukee, ready now for Ask Your Neighbor. Sports. The and more. We are Wisconsin's radio station, 620 WTMJ. This is WTMJ's Jeff Wagner for Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin with some choice words. Look, the truth is, most window dealers offer only one line of replacement windows, and that's vinyl. That's really not much of a choice, right? Sounds more like a take it or leave it. So my advice is leave it and choose Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Talk about choices. When others maybe have one, maybe two window lines, with Pella, you get to choose from six lines. Two energy-efficient, budget-friendly lines of vinyl windows. Pella's exclusive Impervia fiberglass line, engineered to be the strongest material for windows, period. And three lines of luxurious wood windows, traditional to contemporary. That's six lines to suit both your taste and your budget. Speaking of choices, 
Right now, choose 18 months, no payments, no interest, or $300 off each window, $700 off a Pella entry system, and $1,000 off a Pella patio door. Whatever you choose, just be sure to book your choices by the end of the month, March 31st. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Some restrictions apply. See their showroom for details. Sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank is Outdoor Living Unlimited. Are you ready to transform your whole home backyard into a luxurious oasis? If so, good news. Your dream patio is within reach. Outdoor Living Unlimited has the experience, the skills, and the products to turn your vision into a reality. Get a free quote today and contact Outdoor Living Unlimited at 262-567-4513 or visit them at OutdoorLivingUnlimited.com. Yeah, check that out. All right, I mentioned this the other day. Learn from my mistake. Never do what I did about a week ago. About a week ago, I was exploring the, the idea of thinking of, of shipping a car. You know, I was, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, I want to go somewhere, and maybe it makes more sense instead of driving the car where I want to go. wonder how much it would cost to ship the car between point A and point B. All right, just just curious was just thinking about it because I, I didn't think it made any sense. I thought it made more sense to probably drive it, but I wanted to see the numbers. So I go and I do the search and I put in that and I get this one thing about, hey, give, give us your information. You know, give us your email and give us your phone number and, you know, we'll send you a quotation. Okay, now I, I should have known better, but I put that information out there. I swear for the last, I know maybe I did this 10 days ago, for the last 10 days, on, I would say, at least five times a day, sometimes 10 to 15 times a day, I am getting phone calls and emails from from different companies. Will we understand you want to ship your car? Here, call us for a quotation. And it just it just doesn't stop. I, it had slowed down for a day or two, and today I think I've had at least five or six. And I'm thinking, all right, you would think that you'd get the idea that you know this has been days and days and days, and I'm not responding to this stuff. But it's they're coming from all over. They're coming from like all over the country, and so it, it's not just like one place that's bombarding you. So my advice is, if you're ever on the internet and they're asking you, here, we're going to send your quotation just give us this information just do what nancy reagan said about drugs back in the 80s just say no this is jeff wagner wtmj back with more in just a couple minutes live from the annex wealth management studios this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. A number of people are texting in who had the same experience I have. I, I, I have learned my lesson that when you get that, the thing that says, here, you, 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 want, you want an estimate on this? Here, just give us your information. Well, I, for some reason, I still, I, in a foolish fashion, I thought that I was just, I'm going to get a bid for how much it's going to cost the car to, sh- to ship my car from here to there. I didn't realize that every person that ships a car across the country would somehow get access to this and would be able to offer me bids on this and would continue to send me note after note after note, voicemails and texts and phone calls for weeks. I have learned my lesson. All right. I lumped this into the category of when you are wrong, be strong. If you are a regular listener to this program, you know that from time to time, I have vented about the Wisconsin, the WIAA. 
um, the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association. And what I vented about in particular was that this myopic rules are rules approach that they take many times that is completely devoid of any sort of common sense at all. The thing about the WIAA, though, and look, and I understand it's kind of a tough, it, it's sort of a tough job because you, you've got all these different parties that are interested. But I, I, I think as an organization, it is incredibly thin-skinned if an organization can be thin-skinned and also incredibly arrogant. The idea is we are the WIAA. How dare you question what we are doing? Don't you understand that we are here to promote interscholastic athletics and we and we alone are the ones that make the rules? So after what happened a week or so ago, and we talked about this extensively and had the basketball coach from Thomas More High School on, that the WIAA has not gone gently into the good night. For those of you not familiar with the situation, what happens is a couple weeks ago at the regionals, and Thomas More had a, had a very, very good basketball team this year. At the regionals, with 45 seconds left, they're ahead by 30 points. The team they're playing had been kind of aggressive all night, and what happens is one of the members of the opposing team, which was from like Fuller High School, he, he kind of knocks over a Thomas More player. The Thomas More player pushes him in the back. All right, both, both those players are clearly in the wrong. For whatever reasons, the officials choose not to get involved. Don't blow their whistle, and this confrontation starts to occur. The coach from Thomas More gets out, breaks the two of them up, the fans from the opposing high school then bum rush the court and come racing at the Thomas More kids. The Thomas More kids, they, they do get off the bench and they kind of retreat to get out of the way of all this. So the officials filed this report recommending and saying that everybody got suspended, should be suspended for a game. And it's a big deal because if you're suspended for a game, you can't play in the next game, which means you're essentially out of the state tournament. Thomas More says, wait a second. You, you, you got to look at what happened here. First of all, you're suspending people for leaving the bench. Four of our players, five of our players are on the court. They, they didn't leave the bench. How can they be suspended for leaving the bench? Then one of the kids that suspended wasn't even there that night. He, he was homesick, and he gets suspended because he was on the roster. And then as far as the other kids who get suspended, they're essentially in, in kind of a retreat mode. They weren't throwing punches or anything. Well, Thomas Moore says, look, the officials got it wrong. That This report is just incorrect. It's an incorrect interpretation of the rules. You've got the facts wrong. They're applying the rules wrong, and, and we don't think this is fair. So they appeal to the WIAA. The WIAA then says, well, no, you can't appeal this. I mean, this is what the official said, so it doesn't matter. The refs are wrong here, or arguably wrong. doesn't matter. So Thomas Moore goes to court, and they get a judge to look at it, and the judge issues an injunction saying that, think that essentially she feels there's evidence that the WIAA violated its own rules, and it violated the due process rights of the, these Thomas More kids. So they order the Thomas More be allowed to participate in the tournament, and I think much to the chagrin of the WIAA, Thomas More has continued to win games and now has qualified for the state tournament, and I think their first game is, is on Wednesday. So yesterday, 
Um, the WIAA issues a statement. Dear member schools, in recent days during the boys' basketball tournament series, decisions made by WIAA licensed officials have come under scrutiny. In fact, in one case, a temporary restraining order was put in place by the court, preventing the WIAA from applying the rules set forth by the 516 schools in our membership. This order disrupted the tournament schedule to allow the team to continue competing in the tournament series. Um, it is important to note that our executive staff has determined the game officials have properly applied all of the rules. These rules are member-driven. We staunchly support our staff and our licensed game officials. With respect to the team being put back in the tournament series by order of the court, we are do committed to doing all we can to address the situation. It is unfortunate that this issue might cause some to question the integrity of the boys' basketball tournament and then they go on to essentially say you know how, how dare how dare anybody sue us in, in court it's, it's a troubling trend okay our number is 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line so you, you have this monolithic organization that says we should be the sole arbitrator and if our officials get it wrong doesn't matter there are officials, and so even if they're wrong, and even if they violated due process rules of the member schools, how dare you bring us to court? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess my response to this would be, well, if if you're concerned about that, why don't you get it right? And why don't you... I don't know, follow things like, like due process and things like that. Look, I don't believe that people should be running to court if the argument is, gee, did the kid travel with the basketball or not? Or was his foot inbound when he caught the ball or not? That, that's not it. But where you have interpretations of the rules, or in this case, at least in my opinion, referees' reports that are just flat-out wrong, how can you say to the aggrieved party, you, you, you shouldn't be able to go to court and, and get a hearing on this? And I think it's interesting that the weakness of the WIAA case in this situation is, is evidenced by the fact that they're now complaining that they were sued in the first place, not complaining that the judge got it wrong. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Look, I, 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 I understand that, that rules are rules, and I understand that you can't have, in this case, member schools turning around and, and suing, in this case, the WIAA, every time something happens and you get a bad call on, on the field or something like that. But when... When there is strong, compelling evidence that the officials in a really big situation got stuff wrong or that the rules that are in place are violative of, of due process, I, I think to, to say that how dare we get sued it is just it is arrogant in the extreme and it, it's insulting. And to me, I guess the evidence that the WIAA is there is the fact that they've They've been successfully sued in this particular case. And, and my advice is, if you don't want to get sued by one of your member schools, well, well do it right in the first place. 855-616-1620. John in Fond du Lac. John, you're first. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi. Thanks for talking to me. Hi. I hate to say this, but I couldn't disagree with you more. I mean, 
We've got rules and things in this society, and people refuse to abide by them, and then they run to the court system. And our court well, what, system what, agrees with them all the time. But what if the referees get it wrong? What, what if you, you say there's a rule? What if the rule is implied is applied incorrectly? I mean, they they suspended a kid that wasn't even there. How, <laughs> they, they suspended four kids who were on the court for leaving the bench. How? What if they're just making it up as they go along? I mean, should there be no recourse for that? Mistakes are made in your life and my life every sure. single day. You've got to learn to live with them. Mm. You can't just run and try to get it changed in your favor. Well, you know, I, that's, that's, that's not I what we do. Well, John. Okay, thanks. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, that, that, I guess that, that, that's that's it. Well, they 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 made a mistake. Okay, that bank. You know, your bank has just reached into your account and they've taken five thousand dollars out of your bank account by mistake. Just just live with that. You know, I I, I mean, look, and, and I understand. Do I do I think you have too many lawyers? chasing too few cases do i think that we have people who run into court and and sue for silly things like the subway sandwich they said it was supposed to be a foot long and it's actually only like 11 and three quarter inches absolutely i I understand that but this this notion that we we just have to allow people to just suck it up when when people make interpretations that might be wrong or that the process that's set up is violative of people's due process rules. I guess that that's what ends up bothering me about this. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Kyle is telling me we've got a little bit of a problem with the phone right now. That's fine. Um, Jeff, um, so are we going to sue Every time an official makes a mistake in every sport from the time it starts till it ends, there are way too many things that happen during a game where an official's call can be blamed for the outcome. I challenge all complainers to put on a striped shirt and get a whistle. Look, this isn't a decision, was it a three-point shot or not? That's not what this is. This isn't, did the shot go off before the end of the game or not? That's not what this is. This is an interpretation of of rules. This is we're suspending people for leaving the bench when they were already on the court. We're suspending somebody who wasn't even at the game for leaving the bench. It is a physical impossibility. And the WIAA has the audacity to say you, you shouldn't sue us. Well, in this particular case, like I say, part of the validity of this whole thing was they sued, and at least thus far they've won. And rather than the WIAA running into court and saying, hey, we need a hearing right away. We think, Judge, you're really wrong, and we want to demonstrate why that preliminary injunction shouldn't be filed, and we're looking to take an appeal. The WIA has started to whine about, well, how dare people sue us in, in the first place? And then they've tried to portray this as a dispute over, well, we, we stand by our officials. Well, okay, maybe in this case the officials got it wrong. Wouldn't it? Don't you want to try to get it right? As opposed to simply saying, well, okay, we've made a mistake. We might have made a really big mistake, and we might have prematurely ended this team's season, but we're going to continue doing it simply because rules are rules, and we're the WIAA, and how dare anybody question us. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Are you ready for your shining moment? Tune in all day, March 22nd, for Selection Tuesday, sponsored by Palermo's Pizza. Throughout the day, each WTMJ show will take four callers. You call, you get a team playing in the big tournament. If your team wins it all, free pizza for a year. How cool is that? We want to have a winner on this program. It's the Palermo's Pizza Bracket Challenge on WTMJ. Okay, I think... uh, we have quickly figured out and fixed the problem with the phones. Bruce in Heartland. Bruce, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, uh, sir. I uh, would have to agree with the uh, John, the previous caller, that said uh, the courts are not the answers. Um, where do you draw the line? I mean, this is this is a championship game, so it's getting all the attention. Right. Your show. I'm a swim official. I could make a call independently all by myself that would prevent a swimmer from reaching a state championship. You know, what recourse do they have other than providing a video to the WIAA? I mean, this, this video is not allowed as a recourse to overturn a decision. Um, if you don't like the rules, then they should advocate for getting the rules changed, which would maybe be something like um, in championship formats, we're going to allow for contest uh, to contest a call or contest a judgment or application of the rule, but well, what if the, you're what if the official? Box. But yeah. what if the official improperly uh, improperly applies a rule? Okay, let, let, let me let me give you an extreme example. Okay, so let's say it's a basketball game, and at the end of the third quarter, the referee ends the game. That that's <clears> it. I, I'm de- I'm declaring the game over, and you say, well, no, no, we, we only played four. We were supposed to play four quarters. Nope, I'm ending the game now. It, it's uh, we have played four quarters, and and you've only played three. I mean, you don't. Sh- shouldn't there be some yeah. recourse when the official gets it wrong? And that's an extreme case, but I guess that's my question. You get it? Doesn't does an umpire does an umpire in baseball ever ever miscount on a on a ball strike count and uh, call a batter out after two strikes versus three and. You know, the WI has adopted a athletics-based or education-based athletics mantra. And they their stance is if you want to play for world championships and you want to go to the pros, you want to go to college, you go to the you go to a club sport. You know, the WIA is here to provide a learning experience for the children. Um, I don't always agree with it, but um it's it's not the end all the be all to win a state championship mm-hmm. and Getting barred from playing in the state championship for Thomas Moore should go on as being a learning experience for those kids. So you don't think there should be any way to review an official decision? That in this case, it wasn't even an in-game decision. It was it was a that that is plainly at least on its face that is wrong. You don't think it's just like suck it up? They they got it wrong. They suspended a kid who wasn't even at the arena that night for leaving the bench. That, that I'm not has... disputing any of the any of those any of those things don't don't appear to be right, but they have to stand behind. If there's not a provision to review those type of um, game reports, and right. uh, then you can't you can't use the courts to re- remedy everything. Well, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, no, I get, it. I, I get, it. I appreciate it. I mean, I look, I, 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 I don't know what to me. To me, one of the things the courts are there for is to review 
review situations where there is a, a material problem. Now, I understand perspective is, oh, it's no big deal, so the kids don't get a chance to win the state basketball tournament. You know, who cares? You know, the life is tough, get a helmet. I, I, I think maybe the, the parents and the kids who were involved in that might, might disagree with that particular interpretation. And it does have to be a material thing. And look, and I, I understand. If this, if we were arguing about the umpire got it wrong and thought there were, there, thought there were two strikes and there was only one and called the kid out, that that would be a different situation. I'm not saying you can go back and review everything, but this is, it is after the game has over, is over. It's not really even an, in, an on-court thing. It is we filed on a report that is materially wrong, or we've applied the rules in an incorrect fashion. You know, we, we've suspended four kids for leaving the bench when they didn't leave the bench. They were on the court. Now, you know, if you said we're suspending them because they were involved in the fight, that might be a different story, but they weren't involved in the fight. And I guess this attitude that, okay, we should just accept these decisions if they're blatantly wrong and you should have absolutely no recourse because it's the WIAA. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just don't buy it. And, you know, if the WIAA wanted to argue that the courts had no jurisdiction, well, they could argue that the courts have no jurisdiction, that they are this monolithic thing and that when they're wrong, they can be strong. I just don't think that argument's going to go very far. And, and it's not just this occasion. It, it's repeatedly over the years you see decisions by the WIAA that I think are just blatantly wrong. They don't make common sense. And then they get upset when somebody dares question them. To me, that's the height of arrogance. It's like, okay, if you're wrong, maybe why don't you acknowledge that you are wrong and try to get it right once in a while? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you. Hey, a couple uh, postings. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 A couple interesting ones. So, yesterday, Governor Tony Evers comes to Milwaukee, has a big press conference on the steps of the Milwaukee County Courthouse, announcing he's got $50 million in federal funds that he's going to be spending to boost law enforcement and the money is going to be going to courts to help try to clear some of the backlog it's going to be going to the cops to help try to you know get people off the streets 50 million dollars now I, I want people to understand this I, I i'm all in favor of this and i think this is one where it, it's very clear to me that this is sort of an election year conversion because i don't think anybody would argue that tony evers has been particularly tough on crime and he understands he's getting beat up and he's going to get beat up during this upcoming campaign on criminal justice issues and and i think quite candidly that's probably all all deserved so he understands that that's going on but but even though this is an election year conversion, I'm, I'm not going to argue about it. $50 million is $50 million. And if it, if it helps alleviate some of the backlog, that, that's great. So at this press conference he had yesterday, one of the interesting things is who shows up and who doesn't. For example, there's the, the chief judge from the Milwaukee County Court System, and there's a number of local officials and stuff. And I get it because they're, they're happy to, to get this money that's going to be going to help law enforcement, presumably help clear up the court system and get more criminals through the court. You know somebody who was interestingly absent from this? Well, I, I pointed this out on Twitter, and again, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I'm wondering whether Lieutenant Governor and current U.S. Senate candidate, some think he's the leading U.S. Senate candidate for the Democratic nomination, Mandela, 
defund the police, and while we're at it, let's abolish ICE Barnes, was at this announcement. And the answer is no, he was not. So I, I was kind of thinking, huh, th- this, is, this is interesting. Where is Mandela Barnes, you know, who has, of course, been touting, let's abolish the police? Well, I, I know I said that, but I really no, not sure I meant it because it's not polling very well. And, yes, I, I know I've been saying let's abolish ICE, but... I don't really want to talk about that anymore because I know people think that that's just kind of wacky. I'm wondering, where where was Mandela Barnes yesterday? Was he touting, hey, let's put more cops on the street, let's get more DAs, and let's let's get these criminals through the system earlier? Um, no, I don't think he was anywhere to be found. So, you know, have that interesting going on. The other local criminal justice story, which is very, very, it's it's a positive one. And it raises a question. You will remember about two months ago, there was the situation where you had the the botched carjacking in the third ward outside of the Shake Shack that resulted in an off-duty police officer getting, getting shot. Thankfully, he is going to recover. Remember the circumstances behind this. There's a woman who's like a DoorDash driver, a couple of her kids in the car. She's running into the Shake Shack, I think, to either pick up food, use the bathroom, or whatever. And and somebody comes out, and, and she gets attacked and, and carjacked by this guy who, as it turns out, um, is on bail for another offense. We'll get to that in just a second. So while this woman is struggling with the, the would-be carjacker, what happens is there's an off-duty police officer who's getting lunch or whatever. He sees this. He, he runs out. He engages the would-be carjacker who ends up shooting him. The carjacker then jumps in the car and and flees along with his two low-life buddies. They catch the low-life buddies, but the carjacker himself, who's a guy named Cassine Ellis Brown, who is 19, who was out on a stupid low bail for another incident that happened in October um, when he was driving a stolen car, fled at 90 miles an hour, crashed into a tree on Capitol Drive, ran from a car with a gun before he was caught and arrested, and again, as, as happens in Milwaukee County all too often, gets released on a on a stupid low bail and then is now in a position to assault this woman and shoot this off-duty police officer. So anyhow, uh, Ellis Brown, he goes on the lamp. He's and he's able to avoid apprehension for the the better part of two months. Well, the the good news is that yesterday afternoon, after a several hour standoff, he was arrested. He he was holed up in a place in the twenty nine hundred block of North Ninth Street. The police say that you know they got tip that that he was in the house, so they arrived at the house. He refused to come out. They brought out the SWAT team and the hostage negos and the negotiations and all. And and ultimately, after about four hours, and crediting the police with great patience that was i think the word of the police chief and i don't disagree ellis brown surrenders himself so you know that that's fine so that's great so the good news is they've got this wannabe almost murderer who was, should never have been out on bail in the first place he is now in custody so that that's that's the good news but there is a question that, that i have and i raised this again on twitter and if you follow me it's at jeff wagner 620 and, and here's the question this this kid is 19 years old he has successfully avoided apprehension by the police for over two months. Clearly, somebody or bodies along the way helped him while he was on the run. 
And the, near, the near as I can figure out, like this, they've got a neighbor who's saying that this is, we'd never seen him at this place before. My guess is he was somewhere else. My guess is he was probably out of the city, maybe out of state, and then, you know, ended coming back here and getting caught. Could be wrong, don't know for sure. But I guess here's my question. He clearly, in my opinion, had help. He, he could not have avoided apprehension for 60 plus days. So my question now is, all right, l- let's, if we really want to make an example here, let's let's aggressively try to find out where he was over the course of the last 60-plus days. Let's try to find out who it was that helped him, aided and abetted his fugitive status, and let's prosecute them as well. If nothing else, to send a message that people who harbor or aid and assist, people who try to kill a police officer or tried to kill anybody, for that matter, but in this case tried to call a police officer, that, you know, if you help them, you know, you're going to be held accountable as well. Will the DA's office and the police do it? Don't know. Sure hope they do. That's the next question. Who helped this kid evade arrest for, 90, for 60 days, and will they be held accountable? Hope the answer is yes. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. All right, the story comes to us from West Bend. There is no secret that a lot of businesses during the pandemic went through all sorts of changes. Many places closed. Remember, Governor Tony Evers ordered a lot of restaurants that were closed. People ended up getting laid off. There was just huge economic chaos. And a lot of those restaurants, for example, a lot of businesses in general, they're, they're coming back, but they're coming back slowly. And what's the biggest problem we talk about all the time? They can't find people to, to work there. All right, which brings me to this story that uh, Channel 6 had out of West Bend. It involves a diner called Skinny Vic's. I do not, I've never been there. My wife lived in West Bend for a couple of years, but I don't, I've never been there. But it, it's run by a woman named Vicki Leonard's Skinny Vicks. She's the owner of Skinny Vicks, and it's a diner. And so her, her story is that normally their ideal staffing number is eight. That, that's the ideal number of employees that they have to run, should have to run to the diner. Right now, she says that they've got four. She says we're, we're missing a host, we're missing a busser, we're missing a dishwasher. She said, I'd love a manager, that would be great. But we're running on a skeleton staff. So what happens is when you're running on a skeleton staff, you can't, you can't provide the, the same level of service that you could if you've got, if you're normally going to have three waiters or waitresses, servers, I guess is what we call them now. So if you're normally going to have three servers and now you're down to two or maybe one server, what, what happens? Well, the, the one server is running around like a chicken with his or her head, her head cut off. She's not getting the food out as quickly. If you're used to having two cooks and you only have one, you're going to have to wait. That's just the reality. And what's the phrase our Debbie Lazica used? You've got to pack your patience. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have, I have noticed that at different, for example, restaurants or places that I've gone to. There, the level of service that maybe you would have expected two years ago, you're, you're not getting. You have to wait longer for your food. Maybe you have to wait longer to be seated. Maybe your drinks don't come out as fast. All those different things. And it's really not because... The, 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 they don't care about service. It's because a lot of these places are just absolutely overwhelmed. So anyhow, here, here's the story. that this The owner is 
again, struggling to try to keep the business open, don't have enough people. And she said, well, what happens is, you know, we're, we're dealing with all these customers who are just flat out rude to the people that are working there, snide comments, snapping their fingers and things like that. And so what she decided to do is Sunday, she, she closed. She said, I decided to make a point about it plain and simple. They don't deserve, they being the employees, don't deserve to be treated like that, so I closed my door. She decided it was time to show the customers not always right. She closed Sunday, citing disrespectful behavior towards her staff. Um, she said, look, this is, this is the deal. You know, we're, we're closed because people have been rude. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is exactly the way that these business owners should handle it. You know, there, there's this idea out there that says the customer is always right. No, the customer isn't always right. And sometimes the customer is a jerk. Sometimes the customer is a butthead. Sometimes the customer just doesn't understand the limitations of what you're dealing with. And I guess I, I think that in today's day and age, you just have to recognize that you know places all around struggle to get help and if you're used to sitting down and having the, you know the waitress or the server that, that's going to come up to you in three minutes and you're going to have your food ten minutes later you might you know you, you're going to have to recognize that that's just not the way the world runs anymore and to me there is absolutely no excuse for being rude to, in this case, the, the wait staff when they're trying their best. Now, I, I guess if you've got a situation where you've got, you know, the, 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 the waiters or the servers that are sitting in the back and they're all playing on their cell phones and nobody's paying attention, okay, that's, you know, that's, that, that's a different story. But my experience in general has been, when I go into restaurants nowadays, for example, I, I see people hustling, and they're hustling because, you know, they're trying to do the best job they possibly can, and they're doing it under different circumstances. And I, I like this idea. I, I think this is appropriate, and it's necessary, and I support this owner. People have to understand that, you know, right now everybody's doing their best. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Julie in Kenosha. Julie, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I just wanted to say that my husband and I have patronized a lot of restaurants of late, and I see signs up everywhere that say, please be kind to the workers that have decided to show up for work today. Mm-hmm. And I just really agree with those signs. And I myself, as a, as a restaurant patron, I have been overly patient. I have uh, over-tipped. I have been overly kind to these people that are trying to work in the service industry. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I'm Julie. Thanks for the call. I, I'm, I'm with you. I was, um, I was at, oh gosh, within the last week or so, I was at a bar. Imagine that, and the the, the bartender was running around because they were supposed to have two bartenders, <laughs> and the guy was apologizing. They were supposed to have two bartenders, and and one of the two didn't show up. So the guy, he's he's hustling, you know, but he's he's doing the job of what should be two people. So. You know, I, we had to wait a little bit longer. You know, we, yes, we, we didn't get our drinks and we didn't get waited on in as timely a fashion as you would have might expect if if they had both of the bartenders. But I mean, I I understand that. And if you're going into these restaurants and look, I mean, I understand there's an expectation of a certain 
level of service, and, and I get it. But nowadays, don't we all have to realize that these places can't, can't find business? I have somebody texting me saying, if they can't find people, they should just close up. Well, sorry. I mean, this is, I'm hoping that this is a temporary sort of situation. All the businesses I know are going out of their way to try to find people to staff them. They're paying money, um, probably, you know, running into their profit margins to try to get people to come back. And I think us, those of us who are patrons, need to kind of cut them some slack. Jeff, kudos to his owners for taking a stand. There's a local restaurant by me that has staff shirts that say, please be patient. There's like three of us here. Another way to let people know not to be jerks and it won't um, be tolerated. Jeff, the customer may not always be right, but they are still the customer. Yeah, but sometimes... Sometimes, you know, you got to fire customers. I, I've, I've always said that. I, I, that's, that's one of the things I learned when I was in the private practice of law, that, you know, the customer is always right. Sometimes you got to fire the client because the client is just unreasonable or difficult. You can't make them happy. There are people out there that you just cannot absolutely make happy, and you will drive yourself crazy by doing that. So sometimes, yeah, they're, they're the customer, but sometimes you just got to say, sorry, you know, we're, we're going to move on. And here's the deal. If you come to my restaurant and we've got four people instead of eight and we're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, and, and yes, you, yes, we agree that you shouldn't have to wait 20 minutes for your bacon and eggs. But that's we got one cook, not two, so that's the bottom line. You know, you're, you're going to have to wait. And if you don't want to do that, don't make snide comments. Go somewhere else if you think you can get served quicker. 855 um, Jeff, we went to a little bar in Watertown a few weeks ago. I think maybe a cook hadn't shown up because immediately when they seated us, they advised us it would be about 45 minutes to get the food. That was okay, and it was almost exactly 45 minutes. Yeah, I, now I do think it's fair to, to tell people that you know to to say look we're we're you're just going to have to wait a little bit because we're just kind of swamped we've got fewer people etc and i think it's fair to tell that to the customers but at the same time you know why do people have to be rude larry in west bend larry you're in wtmj good afternoon hey jeff uh kind of just tacking out of the point you just made it is fair to tell people that they're going to have to wait but i think it's unfair if you people and you don't give them fair warning that they are going to be experiencing a long wait. Because I've seen a number of places where I've come in, they seat you and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're going, oh, what's going on? Had they at the door, had the hostess said, hey, it's going to be 30 minutes, the staff we have can't take care of the patrons we currently have, and then you make the decisions to stay, well, then it's on you. Uh, And then you shouldn't be expecting, you know, giving any snide comments. But Unfortunately, I've seen restaurateurs that they, they want to get every person coming in the door that they can, so they see you whether they can take care of you or not. Yeah, Larry, thanks. I mean, I think that's fair. Communication is a two-way street, and, and if things are going to be longer because you're understaffed, I, I think it is fair to tell that. Jeff, I'm a Grubhub and Uber Eats driver. I see this all the time. People flying off the handle because they've been waiting. I tell the staff, take your time. I've got all day. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 66 degrees, break out the Speedos, head for the pool. Or, or maybe not. 
Um, I, I, I want to revisit something we talked about a week or two ago because uh, Melissa was just talking about it in the news. I've been listening to it in our news broadcasts all, all, all during the day. And I, I, it's one of those things where, I mean, get out a mop because my head is about to explode. It's this story about the Kenosha police officer and, and all the angst involving his efforts to break up this fight a couple weeks ago. If, if you haven't heard the, the story, what happens is there, there's this middle school in, in Kenosha, and this is a couple weeks ago, and what happens is that you have a couple kids who just, Lincoln Middle School in Kenosha, the kids get out of control, and the kids engage in the, this full-on absolute brawl whacking at each other, uh, I mean, a big-time fight. And a lot of the other kids are kind of standing around, egging them on, or they're, they're taking pictures of this and all. So what happens is, first of all, a couple administrators, a couple teachers, they, they try to get in the middle of this, and the, these kids, they're out of control. They're pushing the, kid, the teachers away. They're fighting the teachers. They're, they're going after each other. So on the scene is a Kenosha police officer who's off-duty, but he, he's, his side hustle is he's working as, a, as like a school resource person. So he he's on the scene. There's these out-of-control kids that are just wailing at each other. And he then decides to break up the fight. So he, he gets into the middle of it, and one of them is 12-year-old girl who's one of the instigators. Now, we don't have all the video of it because all we have is just a couple seconds that I'll get to in just a minute. So you, you can't see all the stuff that happens before that. But I'm told this is a full-on fight. They're just going after each other. So the off-duty Kenosha police officer, who's working as a school resource officer, he goes up, he, he tries to grab the gal and, and pull her off the, the other person that she's entangled with. She pushes him away and, and continues the fight. At that point in time, um, he, he takes her down. And, you know, he, he grabs her. He puts her on the ground. She continues to struggle. So she's fighting this. She's not obeying instruction. She's not stopping. She's in the middle of this full-on bloodlust. And what he does is in order to restrain her, he puts her down. And what he ends up doing, at least the, the picture that you see, and you only see a, it's just it's a moment in time, but he's he's got her down. He's got his knee over the back of her either shoulders or neck it's kind of tough to tell and he's got her head he's holding her head down and he's got his other hand kind of like on the, on the small of her back he's trying to control her to get her to stop all right this is not something that happens over it's not george floyd it's not like he's standing there with his back his knee across her neck for nine minutes that that's not this at all she's not screaming i can't breathe he's trying to restrain her to stop her from fighting to break up the fight and she's pushed him he actually i think hit his head when you know he went backwards and stuff so he he's holding her down trying to get her to calm down well this this matter has now gone viral and of course you had people that showed up at a kenosha school board meeting yesterday and interestingly enough the vast majority of the people that are there that are complaining, they're, they're not asking questions about what it was that, that caused this fight. 
they're not asking questions about the out-of-control kids that were involved in the brawl. They're focused on, well, you had this Kenosha police officer who restrained this 12-year-old. I'm looking at one of the quotations here from the uh, head of the Kenosha Education Association. It's disheartening to see another negative and traumatic event in Kenosha schools receiving publicity and attention. Situations like the one at Middle Hills Lincoln Middle School continue to illustrate the need for adequate and frequent training in de-escalation techniques, proper restraint holds, and restorative justice practices for all adults in the building. Let me stop there. Restorative justice practices. De-escalation tactics. You've got these two kids that are beating the you-know-what out of each other, that are refusing to stop. Adults have tried to get in the middle of this, and they're getting injured. What are you going to do? De-escalate this? <laughs> Give me the idea of these de-escalation tactics that you're going to use. Excuse me, we really mean it. Now stop. Don't hit her over the head with that you know, brick. It is unacceptable, the statement continues. In any situation, for an adult to restrain a young student by placing their knee on their neck. Um, okay. All right. All staff, including those in security positions, should be regularly participating in de-escalation and restraint drills. Just as students and staff practice tornado and active shooter drills every month, school fights and conflicts happen much more frequently than tornadoes. Okay. You know, this is so infuriating to me. Because, and then the, the dad is upset. Oh, her neck is a little bit sore. You know, Dad, why aren't you upset that your out-of-control child was involved in this fight? Why aren't you upset that your out-of-control child wasn't obeying instructions? Why are you upset, aren't you upset that your out-of-control child was resisting arrest and fighting with a police officer? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, the world has absolutely gone crazy. And, and at the school board meeting yesterday, nobody, nobody's talking about you know, the, these out-of-control kids in the fights. It's all like, well, for a matter of seconds, the police officer who had been assaulted by this child, 12-year-old who's just in the middle of wailing on people, this 12-year-old who assaulted the police officer, oh, he had her restrained, and as part of the restraint, he was holding her down using his knee. And, and again, I think it was just a, a matter of moments, but there is that still photo that, that shows him with, with his knee across her neck as he's trying to get her to calm down. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear, sometimes our priorities are just so incredibly, at least in my opinion, out of whack. This isn't George Floyd. He didn't sit with his knee across her neck, suffocating her for nine minutes. He was trying to get a situation under control where you had an out-of-control kid. What are they supposed to do? Just allow the fight to go on and on until one of them kills the other? Is, is that what you're supposed to do? And if you do that, how are the parents going to react to that? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jack Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. This, this story just infuriates me. Because you, you have a situation where you have an out-of-control brawl among middle schoolers. Oh, there are 12-year-olds. You know, we should just, you know, you, have you no idea what 12-year-olds are like nowadays? They're wailing at each other. It is an out-of-control brawl. couple people end up getting injured. Teachers try to apparently intervene. It doesn't work. An off-duty Kenosha cop gets involved. One of the kids starts fighting with the cop. He takes her down. 
no question about it, takes her down and restrains her. And as part of that restraint, for a matter of moments, you know, he, he's got he's got his head kind of on her head, on, on her, her neck, holding her down. He's got his knee over her, the back of her shoulders, or arguably maybe part of her neck. He's got his other hand, you know, on the still of her back. He's controlling her. He is holding her down. And the outrage in Kenosha among some of these parents is, oh, this is terrible. The police officer restrained the child. We need de-escalation tactics. What planet are some of these people on? Why aren't we talking about the real problem, which is what do you do when you have a bunch of out-of-control kids that are wailing it on each other? Do you just, I don't know, go ahead and let them kill each other and then see how the answer is going to be? Um, Sue in West Bend. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, that just didn't happen in my day. I mean, if, if if something happened at school, the punishment you got at home was always worse than what was going to happen in school. Your parents didn't want that to happen. I mean, not that you were going to get beaten, but okay. I mean, it, it just didn't happen. No, but Sue, I, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because whenever we talk about these stories, I, I'm picturing my father and my mother. And I, I can imagine that call being made that, okay, when I'm in, in sixth grade or whatever that would be, if I was involved in some knockdown, drag-out fight where teachers are, are, teachers are, are getting hurt or, or whatever in the middle of a lunchroom, and the story is in order to break it up, somebody, one of the adult figures, whether it's assistant principal or an off-duty cop or whatever, took me on the ground and restrained me. I have to tell you, in the, the sca- in the category of the top 30 things that Ann and Jack Wagner would have been worried about, the way they restrained me would have been about number 50. You know what I mean? It's it's like, what were you doing in this I get fight? It. You were doing what? Yeah, but but that, uh, that thanks for the call. But now it's, oh, I'm looking at suing, and we're going to do all this type of stuff, and this is outrageous. And then, of course, you have all the, these people out there who are not recognizing the, the what, what's going on. Oh, well, we're, this is just terrible. That This cop, he's got to be suspended because he restrained this poor child. Well, you, you can see, at least even from the video, that this poor child is involved in this huge brawl. And, and maybe if we want to ask the bigger questions about where's the anger management and, and how is it that you get these kids that get into this particular situation and they're engaged in these fightings, but what, what, is, what is the choice other than saying, um, Jeff, you stop. Gee, Jeff, don't 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 hit them with that desk. Jeff, you know, stop throwing your fist. Jeff, don't put you know, put that knife down. I don't think she had a knife, but you get the point. You know, Jeff, stop that. You know, let go of their hair. And after a while, when they don't do it, what are you supposed to do? Just let them go ahead and wail on each other? And heaven forbid that you should use any sort of physicality at all. But this is this is the story. It's oh, we're ta- we're upset that he. He, he took them down. Jeff, if it happened back in the 70s and 80s, my dad would have taken a belt to my you-know-where. Where are the parents and their involvement with the kids? I support the cop. Well, it, look, if this was a situation where the... the, the <laughs> It, it was a George Floyd thing, and, and he was choking out the girl, and she was in a situation where she's like trying to breathe. Breathe. No, that, that might be different, but that's not what happened. So now the dad is saying, "Well, her neck is hurt a little bit." Well, I, I don't doubt it. Who knows where the neck is hurt from? Do you see the fight that your daughter was involved in? For God's sake! I mean, yes. And and if in an effort to break up the fight. Somebody's got some bruises or a sore neck. Well, okay, that's kind of, you know, what happened. Jeff, why wasn't the parent concerned about the girl injuring herself in the fight and injuring others? No, that's it. Jeff, some kids are even carrying weapons now. What are the police supposed to do? Well, right, that's the whole category of the damned if you do and damned if you don't. So let's say that you try the de-escalation techniques. 
Mary, I don't know what the girl's name is. Mary, Mary, stop, stop, stop hitting Jennifer. Mary, just let go of Jennifer's hair. Mary, stop that, stop that, stop scratching. Oh, oh, she's not doing that. Okay, and then all of a sudden, she pushes over Jennifer. The kid goes over, hits the back of their head against the concrete floor, and the kid ends up dying. All right, what, what are you going to be told then? Well, why didn't you intervene? Well, we tried our de-escalation techniques, and they, they didn't go anywhere. Well... All right, maybe the bigger concern here isn't what the police officer did, but it's the fact that you got these kids that are out of control. Jeff, I'm sorry, if you attack a police officer, you not only deserve to be restrained, but also detained. Well, there is an element of that. Jeff, we have to be thankful that there were no weapons or more kids jumping in. Middle school students are young, but they can be big, just as big or just as strong as an adult. Um, you know, that's it. Jeff, I'm with you. Secondly, how can anyone want to be in law enforcement at any level these days? Jeff, I have an idea. Let them go at it till one is too injured to fight back, then charge them as adults with assault and battery. Well, that's that's the situation that you're in. All right. I, look, and I appreciate the de-escalation techniques and things like that, but this this was all past that. These are these two kids who are in the lunchroom, and it's a full-on Pier 6 brawl. You're past the point of de-escalation techniques you're yelling at them to stop now my guess is you've got a lot of the kids that are around there that are encouraging this type of thing you know why have school resources officers in there if they're, they're not there to try to protect these students and to try to break up these fights and candidly I mean if in this particular case the officer had taken her down put you know the zip like handcuffs on her and hauled her out, I would have had no sympathy at all. Geez, Jeff, weren't you getting bashed up in fights at middle school? I know what I was doing. I was trying to figure out how to beat Mario Brothers 3. Well, there is that element of that. Um, yeah, what I guess it, but again, this is frustration. And I, I've been, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There haven't been really any updates other than the officer was suspended, I believe, with pay while they investigate this. But I just thought it was so interesting that last night at, at the school board meeting, that's what people are bent out of shape about. That, that in breaking up the out of control fight, you know, we, we put the kid on the ground and held her there instead of maybe the larger question, which is, what do we do with these kids that get into these out-of-control fights in the first place? But that's just me. When we come back, let's find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.